Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome to the JV Show. This is Jorge, and this week we're doing a solo podcast. We are doing solo podcast because I am on vacation, and uh, it just makes it easier for both myself and Viv. Uh, so this week you'll hear my solo podcast. Next week you'll hear Viv's solo podcast. I'm actually getting ready about to leave on vacation, so that's why I'm a little rushed, but not too bad. I gave myself enough time. Um, and actually, when I post this podcast, I'll, I'll be just about flying back. So, yeah, that's about how it works. We uh, When we have to skip weeks or several weeks, we have to do a bunch in advance and such. So, yeah, this week, hopefully, it'll be interesting. Um, not much about me lately. I think everything was covered in the last podcast. Uh, it was only a couple of days ago that we did the last one. But, yeah, this one... About to leave on vacation to the Philippines. Hopefully it's uh will be a great time there. And uh like I said, when you hear this, I'll be coming back. So again, we got three questions. Uh I think Viv pretty much made all these questions and it's cool. So the theme for this podcast and next week's podcast would pretty much be a bit of controversy or controversial things, um, controversial thoughts. I really get into the, you know, the nitty gritty of controversy, which is always fun. Uh, the first one, not so much. First one's more like a more of a segue into. It. So, um, the first one was one time you realized you're completely wrong. This was kind of hard for me. Uh, I think I've been wrong a lot, and a lot of times, I feel like at the moment it's hard for me to admit that. Um, I feel like I wouldn't say I'm emotional, but I feel very invested at the moment. But like. Five, ten minutes, even 30 minutes later, even a day later, I'll think back to what I said or what I thought or what I did. And then I'll, once you regret, but I would understand that, oh, like, I wasn't in the right either headspace or right logic or right thought process. And I'm completely wrong about that. <clears throat> so, yeah, um, it happens. And I just want to, like, it's hard because there's no one time for this question. There's been a lot. Um... For like small stuff, like obviously the the what Berenstein bear, the is it the Man- Mandela effect? I think um, Mandela effect. Yeah, it's like false memory. So like Looney Tunes, uh, Jif or Jiffy, um, Ber- Berenstein bears. Um, those are all examples of the Mandela effect. Uh, yeah, I think it, the whole Mandela effect started with like people thinking he died in the 1980s, but he actually died in 2013. Um, yeah, Jiffy, uh, what else is there? Other cases of it. Oh, George's tail. Curious George doesn't actually have a tail. Uh, sex and the city or sex in the city. Uh, Febreze, how many E's are there in Febreze? I think people think it's B-R-E-E-Z-E. Uh, Oscar Mayer and Oscar Mayer. Skechers, with or without a T. Uh, Fruit Loops, did it always have two O's on both fruit and loops? Or was it actual fruit and then loops? Um, oh, does the Monopoly Man, you know, the Monopoly Man guy running away with his... Uh, um, bag of cash does he have a monocle or not oh does pikachu's tail at the very end of it is it black i think a lot of people remember a black tip but it's not uh hyphen and kit kat 
fruit of the loom is there that little like horn that little thing that uh you use for thanksgiving or not uh cheese it is it cheese it or cheese it's uh oh double stuff oreo does there two f and stuff or not i don't know these are all pretty cool ones uh not completely related to the topic but i thought it'd be cool to kind of talk about that uh but yeah i think my um for this question it's 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 been tough i think when I was younger, I was always very stubborn. I think I had a lot more ego. And I think that was one of the things that I realized I was completely wrong a lot of times. Uh, and, and like, I, there wasn't really one specific scenario. But I just always remember when I was a kid, my brother and sister would always say I was very stubborn. And and I think as a, as a Chinese immigrant family, it's actually a negative term. Um, I, I actually think right now it's like the connotation for me is like maybe like 70, 30, 60, 40 on like negative to good. Because uh, I think being stubborn at times, at very specific times can be very, a very good thing. And I think in general in life, I think it's pretty good to be stubborn um, in the right ways. So like stubborn on things that is not very known or clear. Right. But like... There are people who's been stubborn on something that we thought was a very clear science and they proved it wrong, right? Um, like Graham Hancock's and his stuff related to uh, past the Younger Dryas and all that stuff. He was stubborn on that and he kind of made it work. But as a kid, I, I like you, you didn't really understood that, right? You're like, you, you didn't understand that it was okay to be like that because I think my siblings always said it my parents always said that was really stubborn and i always thought hey it's not a good thing or they treat it as not a good thing right uh i think in asian families they always treat it like you know you should be obedient and you should like listen to the rules and such and not really like go against it um but as a kid i was always extremely stubborn i always thought you know what i wanted was correct and such and i didn't really realize that until a lot later that i was pretty wrong on most cases i think it's kind of weird. So, like, I think being young, you're naturally stubborn. But that's actually the worst time to be stubborn. Um, I think when you get a bit older, when you have uh, knowledge and wisdom, it's actually more appropriate because it uh, there's something backing it, right? Like, there's something backing your thought process now. Whereas when you're young, there's almost nothing. Um, but, yeah, I was really stubborn. And I had a pretty big ego. I thought I was right a lot. Um, and I'm not. Like, I still to now think at certain specific topics i am right a lot um very specific topics but that's because i feel like i have the a bit more backing to it i have the knowledge and the wisdom and that i've made mistakes in that or if i've you know studied it aggressively uh, and and put a lot of time and effort in which is why i'm more comfortable saying yeah i actually have um appropriate knowledge and the ego fits the knowledge right but yeah, that's one I've been completely wrong. I think I've learned that a lot. Um, I've always actually treated my egoness as a complete negative, which I think nowadays I'm also completely wrong about. It's not always negative. I think it's it's hand in hand because sometimes you need ego to be really proud of what you do. You need, um, like, you don't need it, but being proud of what you do, um, some of that ego is almost necessary or required in order for you to uh, really prove a point sometimes. Uh, but I think a lot of times it's not necessary in terms of ego. In terms of stubbornness, I think nowadays, like I said, I have a 60-40 connotation where I think 
60% of it is not that great. Like 60% of the time, it's not that great. 40% of the time, it can be very useful, especially if you're trying to do something very difficult. You need to be stubborn, uh, even though all odds are against you. So that's maybe one scenario I can kind of answer the question of um, what's one thing that, you know, you realize you're completely wrong or one time you've been completely wrong yet. It's not really one specific time, so it's kind of tough. Uh, I can go back again to another specific time. So, or not specific time, but kind of several scenarios. <clears throat> I think in when I was going through schooling, uh, I truly thought that emotions didn't matter. It was weird, um, especially like after I broke up with my ex during university. But even a little bit before that, I truly thought the emotion side didn't matter. It was like, all right, you need the logic and you got to figure this out. The more robotic and more logical you are, the better you can solve these problems and move on and move to the next path, move to the next goal, kind of like a RPG game when I'm going to the next quest or something like that, right? And I realized it was actually a lot later that I realized that that's not true at all. Like the emotions can help drive you uh, to places you've never been where log pure logic can't. I think not necessarily engineering, but maybe like my thought process of engineering or maybe the way I went through things I always thought being robotic was the best, being non-emotional, not displaying any any emotions at all. And I think that's completely wrong. Um, I think there's a time and place for both. The, you can't be emotional in certain scenarios, and certain scenarios you need to be emotional. In fact, it's a lot better, right? Um, and it's like enjoying time with friends or just doing things. I always thought, you know, and that, that goes to the other one, friends, right? I always thought like, all right, I can figure this stuff by myself i don't need anyone and stuff like that and i think that was in an arc of my life where i was like being very independent and i think that was wrong i think that was completely wrong too uh because there's a time and place for both and and i think it wasn't until i was honestly like after university and maybe like during my master and stuff i really learned those things i really learned that all right it's not just about it's not just about being logical i always thought like being logical and being emotionless is synonymous with being smart and i learned that was very very wrong um because there are some very smart people out there and and how i saw it was that oh these people who are too emotional or like you know had way too much social life couldn't like get through school and stuff that's why that's why they weren't smart but i was just wrong I, I just realized later it was like no they're just different it's not it's not that they couldn't like i feel like school molds you and builds you in one in very specific ways uh where is not close to reality at all like i think reality is so much different than that um and i feel like there's a lot of people way more successful than me that are way more social and access their emotions a lot better um and i i had to learn that a lot later in life and now i kind of embraced it a lot more i was i was like honestly i i used to be a complete robot not like even right now talk about my emotions I think back in the day, I wouldn't be able to. I'd just be like, oh yeah, this is, you know, A is A, B is B, one plus one is two, stuff like that, right? But now it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I give myself the freedom to talk about what I think and what I feel um, and the emotions to it and my appreciation for friends and all these other things. And I think that really helped me mentally. And how I got to that revelation, I'm not really too sure. I just feel like when you go on, when I went on my arc where I was like really independent, but at the same time trying to like open up more to people, like trying to meet more people, but trying to like not rely on friends to make friends kind of thing. Uh, I realized how hard it was to make friends and the appreciation of friends. And then 
how kind of weird or different you are if you don't ever display any emotions. I feel like it's so important to um when you're happy to really feel happy and display happiness and when you're sad to really feel sad and display sadness and all that encompassed. Um so yeah, that's that was one of the big things. So like stubbornness, ego, emotions, friends. Um I think one thing I'm not sure this is similar to most Asian families, uh, Asian immigrant families with like a lot of siblings, but like you just you're always hanging out with family when you're a kid. So I feel like when I was a kid, I didn't really appreciate having a family as much because um, I was always around them, right? Like like in junior high, if you had to ask me, it's like, oh, you want to go hang with your friends or you go hang with your family? I'd be like, I'm hanging with my friends 100% of the time. Uh, and I think this was like pretty much up until I was in university. And then after that, I kind of started appreciating hanging out with my family. Um, it was just like, it's nice to just like sit around and, you know, talk about random shit and like sometimes it's unique to talk to your parents about some like very weird topics or like difficult to talk about topics um because back then i feel like we all treat our parents as like gods like they knew everything they were you know top of the food chain they understood everything but then when you get to the age of like 25 or something like that and you talk to your parents who are like you know, 50, 60, somewhere in that range, you start to realize like, oh, like people in general, adults, like for example, at work, they don't understand shit. Like, like a lot of times at work, I feel like people don't really know what they're doing or they're doing something for the first time and then they're just figuring out and then there's like a process and they just follow it, right? Or like even in life, like taxes, insurance, mortgages, all that stuff. I felt like my parents just, you know, went with what they kind of heard and tried to figure it out, especially back in the day without the the internet, you can't get as informed. Um, so because of that, when you talk about difficult topics or controversial topics, it's nice because you get their raw inputs to that or their raw thoughts to that, right? Um, and that's really nice because you see how our thought processes are different based off our education or based off our upbringing and things like that. So you kind of get a new appreciation with talking to your parents. And then you also get a new appreciation with, appreciation with talking to your siblings too because there are some things that are very similar and it's nice to relate with them a lot. And then there's some things that are just so off. And you were only born like two, three, four, five years apart. But some things like the thought process is completely different. Like... I think even five years apart, you're not really at a generation difference yet, but you're like half a generation difference. And even then some things you guys just think so differently of, even though you guys were brought up almost the same, like very similar upbringing, either your thought processes are so different and that's very unique and, and interesting. So like I used to not care about my family because I thought they were boring as hell and there's like nothing, you know, we don't really do much and it's just whatever. But then now it's like, oh, okay, I kind of, you know, it's kind of nice getting to hang out with them. I appreciate that a lot more. And then I understand why my parents want to hang out with the family so much. Is like ever since I got my niece, it's like it's different. Like I only see them like once a week and things. And they grow up so fast. Like like my one niece is like one in a bit and my other niece is like eight, nine months old. And it's just like, you know, it just felt like they were literally just born not, not too long ago, right? Um, so I definitely appreciate family a lot lot more um and that's something i was completely wrong about like and i think that just comes with age uh one thing on segue to controversial side that i was very um that i'm completely wrong about is uh welfare i used to and i was an idiot i used to think that everyone if they just put in the effort 
didn't, you know, drink and do drugs and didn't gamble and stuff and just like, you know, put in the effort and work like a solid job. Like no one actually needed welfare. Um, that's truly what I used to think. I used to think like people were just either having bad habits or they were lazy. And that's why we needed this whole social security system. Uh, and, and I was pretty like solid into that thought process. I just like, I just thought, oh, people who need that stuff are just like, you know, not trying hard enough. Um, and I was, I'm completely wrong, guys. Like that was a really youthful thought that I thought life was so easy and like, you know, you just got to get a job and as soon as you get a job, you just pay, pay bills and you know, life's good kind of thing. But it wasn't until later on where I just realized like, man, shit happens all the time. Like who the fuck knows? Like I could say that as being a, such an easy thing, but if if something happened to my family, if something happened to Taro, if something happened to my friends, I might be in a bad mental state where I just can't maintain a job or I can't just do this or I fall into, you know, the perils of a bad habit or something like that. And I feel like the more you grow up, the more you realize how easy it may have been to fall into that um, and how difficult it is. Like, like you realize how lucky you are to not, say, have any of those bad habits that, you know, like, for example, gambling, alcoholism or anything like that, that really like consumes your life. Right. And you also realize like how hard life actually is, like how how for some people, especially the people that are like less informed how the world fucks you so hard and i didn't learn that until later i always thought like you know welfare was for the stupid and the lazy people and now i realize like nah we actually kind of need this because sometimes we 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 hit the fan and sometimes we don't make it and that's fine and i learned like later on like it's fine like it's fine to make mistakes as like it's fine to not make it um the only thing I can bring back from that was that it's fine to like be down on yourself and be wrong, but it's not fine to not get up. That's, that's the one thing I did learn is it's not fine to not get up because you just have to like get back up. It may take time, but get back up and move on and learn. Um, but yeah, that was one thing I was completely wrong about. And I think I was, uh, I think I was spoiled. I was spoiled in that thought process because my parents are very, independent in terms of like there's a system but whatever happens whatever they can't afford their solution was get another job get another part-time job work weekends whatever so then they can you know give their family whatever they need right uh, and i was spoiled I, I i really appreciate my family for that but yeah i was spoiled that i had a you know parents willing to actually do that so yeah, I think those are things I'm completely wrong about. Um, but I don't know. I can't think of like one specific time because I feel like there's so many times. Like there's so many like comments I made. Even on this podcast, sometimes I'll go through a podcast with Viv and I'll think about, I'll think back to an argument or something I said. And I'll be like, oh, that was completely wrong. Like I wish I could like go back and like retract that statement, but I can't, right? Like it's already been recorded. But I think that's also the, the, the joy of this podcast. I feel like sometimes... I listen to other people's podcasts. I'm so frustrated at something they said because because I, I know it's wrong. But that's in like my wheelhouse of knowledge, right? And sometimes something I say, which is less so in my wheelhouse of knowledge that I'm completely wrong about, I feel like it's it's nice because you see the raw um, reaction or information. Like we don't really pause this. Like the only time we pause this podcast is, is if we have to go to the washroom or something happens, like one of the dogs, like, you know, like piss on the floor or something like that. And we have to pause and like clean stuff up. But most of the time, we don't pause this podcast. So you see, like, the raw thought process. 
and how we are wrong a lot. Um, but it's nice. It's nice to see. And it's nice like when we have the two of us, we kind of keep each other in check. Because if I see something that is maybe wrong, in my mind, I obviously said it because I thought I was right. Um, but then Viv will kind of give her opinion. I'll be like, oh, wait, like I think I thought it the wrong way. Or I think the way I went through this logic process was wrong. But yeah, um, good segue into the next part. Uh, which is all right. I'm just gonna pull up the questions. Actually, it's, it's on my phone. Next question is universal basic income. Explain your stance on it and alternatives to it. I don't. I don't know. I, or like, I don't think it will work. I I I'm very like optimistic though because I like it. I like the the concept of it. Um, because it's like, Hey, here, this is, so the, the concept of universal basic income is like the government at some point, these companies will automate almost everything. And there's going to be just so few jobs. It's just not possible. So there's just gonna be like a subset of the population making all the money and the rest of the popula population making no money. So then what they'll do is, you know, they'll increase some type of taxation or something like that. And then the government will give out to all this is in a universal basic income so then everyone can meet their basic needs and anything beyond your basic needs is up to you to work hard or work on a job or do something right in order to achieve and what that kind of what this kind of does is it makes sure that like when you are when you can't when you can't afford bread or you can't even afford food it's really hard to think about your dreams or aspirations or innovations to the world but as soon as you can kind of fulfill that duty then you can start thinking about other things in the world that can be that may be able to advance uh, technology or information in society, right? So that's the concept. If you can meet your basic needs, you can actually pursue your passions properly, right? Um, I'm actually, I actually don't really believe in this too much. So like the proponents to it is kind of what I said. Uh, the people who are against it will say, yeah, but then you might have, you know, a bunch of lazy people in the society that don't do anything. They just take universal basic income, live and eat off of it, and then that's it. Um, they don't really do much. That's not the reason I don't think it's right. I think um, I'm afraid, I guess. It will remove a lot of drive in people. Like, it's very optimistic to think all of society will pursue their passion as soon as their ba your their basic needs are met um i feel like people's quote-unquote basic needs alters with their lifestyle so like the more money you make the more you uh will have a different lifestyle and you have to buy different things right and i think we all live to our live to our our um like what we kind of make right so like when i was a student i could make almost nothing and still you know get by and that's 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 the joy of being flexible right um and then when i make more money i obviously spend more right i have more nice to haves and things like that and i guess the idea of universal basic income is that you know you only get a set amount to just meet your basic needs so if you want more in life you have to work for it right but i feel like for sure a lot of people will just go through and just say like all right this is good I'm just going to, you know, take what I have. I'm too lazy to work. I'm just going to use this to buy. I, again, a lot, of you, about, a lot of universal basic in income is about freedom. So they're just going to be like, I'm just going to use it to buy, you know, a little bit of bread to eat and then just alcohol or just gamble and win big or go like, I feel like they might 
trap themselves into these bad habits anyways even with that money or they might just waste it on shit stuff or um i feel like there's a lot of scams out there which could kind of like take this from them right so i don't know i just feel like maybe it's not right to just give out money i just feel like we all need something and i feel like I've said this before, one of the biggest things that drives drama is boredom. And I feel like when you have universal basic income, you might ensue boredom more. And when you have a society that's bored, um, you will have problems. You'll have like re rebellions, you'll have like stupid things happen, you'll have them like overthinking shit. I, I just feel like it's just not right. Um, and it doesn't drive people enough. Um, I also think like, I'm trying to remember back in history. I think the Chinese, guys, you guys can cor correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the Chinese invented exam writing um, to make sure that their people weren't bored. Like they always have a goal to achieve to, even though it was kind of meaningless. Um, and it was so they weren't bored because they noticed that like several things that drive rebellion is um, boredom, hunger, injustice, things like that, right? So in order to combat that, they create certain things. Uh, so I actually... I'm not a fan of the most basic version of universal basic income. I think what would be better um, is a more complex version of it. And I would call it universal basic subsidy. Um, and this one's kind of hard. This is this this one. I think no good solution will be easy, though. So hear me out, guys. Um, I think what should happen is that anything that is for basic um, survival should have some type of subsidy and anything beyond that should not. Um, so instead of like, you know, government taking all this money, giving us universal basic income, giving us the f complete freedom to use that on anything we want, instead it should be like kind of like tiers of items. So like rice, fruits vegetables meats those things have a universal basic subsidy right so we know what the average price of this thing is um here geographically and say near here so like in the u.s and things like that and globally and we we give some type of proper subsidy again this won't be easy because obviously companies like superstore and things like that or companies who are, are farms and stuff are, are gonna say like oh this thing costs like a thousand dollars when it only costs like 30 right um so guys i don't have a solution for that but i'm just gonna say if we do have a solution for that where prices are fair then we have a subsidy purely for things that we need right like water um utilities things like that so it's almost like the government's giving the money to these companies but they have to properly justify the cost of these things um and very very properly like a very rigorous um process right so you can't just say okay you know you're subsidized 50 percent of rice that's like 500 dollars for a kilogram it's like no, no no that doesn't make sense like there's no logic in that right like we need a fair price and then we'll subsidize you for that fair price um and and that might like i actually don't trust in government doing things like that it might need like a different company that will make money off of that. I don't know. Like, I, I think there's just some way that we can do that. So the very, very basic needs for people can be met. So instead of like us giving you money, you still have to go and work. But with that money, you can spend less to meet all your basic needs. And then the rest of that money, you have the freedom to spend on whatever you want, right? 
Um, so there there be tiered items, right? And uh, this actually might be a uh, this might go into like a even worse. Like I I I always I already see controversies controversies to what I'm proposing. Um, but yeah, you you'll have certain items, certain things that are more subsidized, right? Like cell phone plans, for example. I feel like that's reasonable that everyone has some basic cell phone plans. So like, all right, everyone's basic cell phone plans. There's some type of subsidy for that and then anything beyond. So say like, all right, everyone's first gig is like, there's some subsidy to that. It costs almost nothing because the government is helping for that. And then every, you know, gig after that of data. Um, and this is all, all relative, right? Like back then a gig was a lot of data, you know, maybe 10 years from now, a gig of data is like nothing, right? But anyways, the first one is subsidized in some way um, with this universal basic income replacement. And then everything after that is not, you pay the full price, right? Uh, so then that's how the government can see, okay, what's the reasonable full price that people are willing to pay and is re relative to market value? And then what is... The subsidized price that our people pay right um and then you know that'll work for a myriad of things right and then maybe there's some type of system where we can calculate how much you're actually getting so you don't like buy stuff here and sell it somewhere else right so it's like i don't know like it, it starts getting weird here because like i'm not a proponent of having like um like a card like a peer identity card or like a government passports thing but like some way to link it so it's like your ID kind of shows like, okay, you know, you were subsidized for 150 liters of gasoline per month where you pay half the price compared to regular price. Um, but every time you kind of just have to scan your ID card to be like, okay, this is actually you. Um, if there's some way of doing that without recognizing pure location, then that'll kind of help just so it's not like a, like a identity passport kind of thing. Um, and then that does several things. It forces people to still work like appropriate jobs. So like maybe instead of working like 80 hours a week to really sustain your family, you literally just have to work a normal 40 hour week job to sustain your family. Uh, maybe if you're just a single person, like a part-time job could literally sustain yourself with an apartment, food and all those things. Um, and, and like I said, like maybe government's not the best entity to do this. Maybe there's something else, some third party reviewer, something else, right? Um, but the other thing nice about it too is that you could incentivize um, health. So like processed shit would be not incentivized to buy. So there's no subsidy for that. But like, and and they, they kind of do this already right now where the government, you like, I don't know if people know this, but you don't pay GST on groceries. So if you bought, um, so apparently like a 12 pack of donut, which to me doesn't make sense because that's not appropriate. But say back in the day, a 12 pack of donut you don't pay tax on at the grocery store, but if you buy one donut, that's now not considered grocery. So you pay GST on it. Um, so like if you bought, you know, canned food, vegetables, fruits, things like that, that's, you don't get taxed on, but if you buy like a piece of clothing, you get taxed on, like you have to pay GST on that. I, I'm not sure people actually realize that out there. Cause I think like it wasn't until I was like, I think like 17 or 18 that I realized that, Oh, like GST is not, the same for everything like you just don't pay gst on on specific things right um but yeah so then they could actually drive for health too they could like subsidize very specific um foods or types of foods like whole foods and things like that and not subsidize like oreos and like you know shitty cereal and like just other bad food that's not good for us um that would definitely drive up you know health in general because i think 
I think most people buy stuff for two things. One is um, the health factor and two is the convenience. So, I mean, I can't solve the convenience, but at least the health factor is already incentivized. Um, and I think that might be a good like half solution. Like I said, there's no like the problem is I don't like too much government control. So it's like I don't want them to control all of this. But if there was some like, you know, third party reviewer with um credibility and you know some way to like remove the whole corruption part then i think the system could work decently well and i think a lot of people can benefit um and and okay i, I also like on this topic i kind of want to do a slight tangent on this i believe a good non-profit organization does need to pay their ceo like a hundred thousand or more dollars a year because it's like any other organization i mean it, it depends on what its input and output is but it could be like any other organization and they do need very good people up there and if you're a very good person like like you're really good at your job and the options are okay get paid like shit to work for this non-profit organization or get paid like crazy amounts of money being an executive at this other company everyone's gonna pick the executive of the other company so there's no way to entice good people to do good work in non-profit organization if they don't get their justified amount that being said i do believe a lot of like charities and stuff they should um like stick by a certain goal or a certain metric like a certain benchmark like okay this is the amount of money you got what's the amount of money you actually gave out um and like has to be properly audited and calculated and then there's benchmarks right so then there's like a say like every year there's a list of benchmarks saying okay this nonprofit has been the best in terms of their output and there's a bunch of these benchmarks that they're compared to and then it'll give us informed decisions on saying like okay like these nonprofits are actually really good right now we want to donate more money to them and these ones aren't that good so the ones that aren't that good they have to start reevaluating being like are we paying our people too much is that why our benchmark sucks or are we not doing a good enough job, right? Because I feel like like any nonprofit, similar to any company or or or, or organization, they have to have some type of metric to really um, be based off of and learn from and get better, right? Like there has to be some market that's driving them to be better, right? So again, going back, I think that there should be some type of third party. I agree that that third party will probably have some execs and stuff like that, but they'll probably review what needs to be subsidized and what doesn't. But also what they do have to be audited properly. So then we know that, okay, like these people literally put this amount of hours into doing this, these studies to see what needs to be subsidized, what's fair price for things. And they're getting properly paid for it. Right. And, you know, like any organization, there's a little bit of overhead as long as it's not ridiculous. I feel like that's, in my opinion, probably a very ideal situation because, um, you can start now linking science and putting societal outputs to it, right? You can start saying like, <clears throat> all right, for example, sleep is very, very, very important to all of us. Um, we cannot control what time people sleep at and stuff like that. But what we can do now is say like, we'll subsidize for all these like sleep tools, like sleep apnea machines, like CPAPs, or we can uh, subsidize for like uh, health monitors so people can actually get a gamified experience of their sleep i think that was one big thing is like when you see your sleep score every day you really start gamifying it and you're like oh shit okay i'm gonna do all these things so then i get the best sleep score ever right and if all of society did that then it's like 
oh shit, we're now starting into like, not necessarily sick care, but we're turning into like health prevention, right? Like we're preventing bad shit from happening. Um, I think that's huge. Like if you can like gamify the sleep experience, I think some companies even do that. I think they have like health or sleep scores and you get subsidized in terms of pay. Like you get a certain amount of money if you reach a certain goal of your like health or sleep score. And I think that's really cool. And we can do that for everyone with this like system. I think that'd be pretty sick. Um, and I think like this whole thing I'm talking about can like split to so many different things. Uh, for example, like subsidized for water filtration system. Like I said, Edmonton water guys, trust me, I read through it. We have too high floor, too high of fluoride in our water. You need a good filter at home, preferably reverse osmosis. And to be honest, they're not that bad. Like for a under the sink in-home system, it's like $200. I get it. For some people that's cost prohibitive. But in my opinion, like you get more, like the gain is more than the cost. And I think um, like water filtration system can be subsidized. Uh, some green energy, I'm iffy on green, some parts of green energy. Like for example, um, solar, it really depends. Uh, I like depends on the cost of developing. So like if the resources and the cost of developing is higher than what you get back, it's not worth it. So that's something that you have to kind of look at. I wouldn't say electric vehicle would be a great subsidy because I don't think our grid can even handle all electric anyways. Um, but I don't know, some type of subsidy where it's like, hey, if you buy a more fuel efficient car, you get you know some type of subsidy for it. Something like that. Um, but always backed by science, I think is always important. Um, not like woo woo science, but just like factual shit. Like, like you know, using this is just better, right? Um, also like gardening. If you can subsidize a portion of gardening, so people can like plant their own stuff, make something more biodiverse at home. Um, education, I think that'd be great. Like we already kind of do that for education. Um, but but say like instead of universal basic income, we say like okay. If you're working a full-time job and you want to go like night school or weekend school for something very important or specific to your career or to maybe a career you want to get into, <laughs> the government's willing to put a bit more money into that and make it a bit more affordable for you. So then you don't have to try to juggle, you know, um, paying for the basic needs of your family and trying to go to school, right? Like we're going to make it so school's a lot more affordable and then the food you have to use to pay for your family is a lot more affordable. So then you don't have to be stressed as much for that. That's my stance on it. It's kind of like the current system, but because I think the current Canadian social um, safety net is actually decent. Um, it's a lot worse elsewhere, and I can't say it's the most ideal and best. Um, there's always improvements for it, but I feel like this would be like a, that on steroids with a lot more thought process to it. And I think that's, in my opinion, pretty up there as a best alternative to universal basic income. I just think... If you just start giving people money, they're just going to spend it on um, just just dumb shit. Like, if you think back right now, like, if you got an extra $1,000 a month, what would you spend it on? I think people would just upgrade their, their lifestyle. That's it, right? And then one day, if that $1,000 a month goes away, they literally can't pay their, pay their mortgage or can't, like, live that lifestyle anymore. And it's just, like, I just don't think it'll work. I think that's what people would just naturally do. Um, and I think people with addiction that may be getting by, but are like, you know, trying to work it out, going to AA meetings or, or things like that, they're literally just going to fall off the rails because they're like, you know, they don't need anything anymore. Like they don't need any of this bullshit anymore. They just have this money and they're just going to spend it on, on their addiction. 
Um, may, may, maybe I'm wrong to think that. Like maybe I think of society too weak to handle it. Uh, and that could be a wrong thing on me. But I, I think I think it's not good. I think it doesn't drive innovation as much. Whereas if you still have to work, but your basic needs are met, I think you are more willing to pursue meaningful work. Like pursue work that will really do something about life. Like if all your basic needs are met and you have some bullshit ass receptionist job, I think you're just going to quit. You're just going to be like, no, I'm going to find something better because... Like nothing's stopping me. Like if back then what was stopping me was, oh, I needed to pay my bills. Well, it's paid right now. Um, They will try to find something better, but if they don't, then they'll be, they just won't do anything. Right. Um, I think this subsidy thing would be like, okay, you still have to work, but now you just have to work part time and then you can go pursue something better and find that better thing. Right. Um, so it just makes it so you still have that drive in you. Yeah, that's kind of what I think. Like, if I'm contradicting myself, let me know. Uh, I Like, that's how I feel. I feel like that's the best system and the best alternative. All right, the next question we have here. Um, again, the whole theme of this is controversy. So this one is, should testing on animals be illegal? Um, This is so hard to say. Because mm. every... Okay, I want to say almost, so maybe not every, but I'm pretty sure almost every. Almost every prescription or every drug you've taken had to have been in some form tested on like a mouse before it's been tested on humans before we actually get to use it. That being said, I have a dog myself and I see the cruelty towards animal testing. Like it's really sad. And I'm also Buddhist, so I believe like, every life is kind of, you know, similar, equal. Like, I in Buddhism, we believe in reincarnations, right? So, like, one day when I do die, I'll reincarnate to, like, a fish or an ant or a monkey or 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 a human again, if I'm lucky, or, or something, right? So, because of that, I do value life quite a bit. Um, but, but animal testing, that's very hard to say that we can't do it. The reason is again because everything everything you put on you or in you have been tested probably on an animal first. So like lipsticks, lotions, things like that. The at least the most basic form, like petroleum jelly, like Vaseline, before they put it on humans, they probably tried it on like pig skin or something like that before they tried it on human skin. Just just to test out how it is first, right? Just to see like, okay, are we just like killing people with this stuff, right? Um, maybe some things aren't, I'm not sure. Um, I don't doubt there's some controversial shit out there that hasn't been properly tested. Uh, so yeah, there probably are some things, but I think most major things have been human tested or not human, sorry, animal tested before it's been human tested, before it's been brought to consumer market. So it's hard to say that we can just eliminate animal testing, even though it's kind of cruel, like probably right now, every month they're killing millions uh, maybe maybe millions to exaggeration. Maybe at least thousands or at least tens of or hundreds of thousands of mouse every month in labs, just doing research that we need in order to advance, right? So it's kinda kinda hard to say. No animal testing whatsoever, right? Um and it a, a lot of it is kinda like very important and it's a benchmark to to getting better, right? So like creatine testing or even like 
Wi-Fi. T- like, this sounds weird, but, like, I really wish they, and they may have already done this, but I really wish they put, like, mouse next to, like, a Bluetooth transmitter for, like, you know, a accelerated test where they do it next to them for two weeks, but it's, like, a more intense version of Bluetooth, and then mouse that have not been exposed to that or have, like, a further distance from that and see if there's any effects on their brains or not, right? Like, like some of this technology, like Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, I'm not saying that this shit will cause cancer or, like, like fuck you up or anything like that, but I'm just saying, like, it's just never been tested, right? Like, I don't... I doubt there's any issues. I, I'm pretty sh- sure it's relatively safe and harmless. I'm, like, 99% sure. But at the same time, there's no... uh, There's no rigorous testing to say for sure it's happened, right? And it's kind of sad if you test it on... Like, we're literally testing on humans right now because we're all just trying out and, like, we'll see, you know, we'll see if we develop brain tumors or not, right? But with animal testing, we can kind of, like, gauge it first to see if this should even advance to human testing, right? So, I mean, I'm sad because, like, I love... um Not all animals, I want to say, because that's... I feel like too bold of a claim, but, like, I love it. I love animals in general. I love humans. Uh, well, what, what I want to say is like, I don't love all animals is because I can't go up to a mosquito and be like, I love a fucking mosquito. Like, I fucking hate mosquitoes. Like, I wish... Like, in this day, day and age, I feel like... I feel like we could eradicate mosquitoes, and I feel like it's... I feel like the downsides are much less than the upsides to it. Um, But yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I think animal testing, I don't know, like, there's no there's no good alternative to it, too. I think me and Viv actually thought about this a while. It's like, we should human test, but on prisoners. I'd be like, that's a thing. That's a thought process. Like, I, I think I think that could work, but but that's the same as the death penalty almost, right? So, like, with whatever testing, no matter how minute you think it might be, it literally could be the death penalty for that person. Um, so it goes back to the controversy of, you know, don't give the death penalty to someone that is like a maybe, right? Like, like if you for sure, if that person for sure killed that other person and that state had the death penalty and they killed them for malintent and they're not crazy and stuff, like they're an assassin or something like that and that state had death penalty, then all right, it's it's very clear cut, right? Um, but I feel like that's point whatever percent of all cases out there. I feel like all cases out there, there might be a little bit of doubt still. And it's hard. It's hard to put people to the death penalty if there's still some doubt out there, right? Um, at least for me, I'd have that guilty conscience and I'd have that lack of justice, right? It's not proper justice if it's wrong, right? Um, so any of these testing, like it could be simple, as simple as like lipstick testing. You might think it's kind of weird, but what if they have some allergic reaction on their lips and then you know, it festers and something fucks up, f- fucked up happens and then they die, right? So you could still cause a death penalty with any testing. So it's hard to say. Um, but I think with the stance that I am on advancing society, becoming a better, like I'm a very, I'm a very humanist, if that makes sense. I'm very skewed toward the human race. Like I want the human race to go as far as possible. Therefore, I think human testing is necessary. I know it's sad, especially for people with animals and pets and stuff like that. It's sad to kill all these animals for all these things. Um, but I think we can do it properly and I think it can be for the greater good. Um, I don't know. Like, it feels weird because it's like we're, we're, we're kind of playing God at that, right? We're kind of like, just like, you know, killing shit and just testing whatever we want. 
very it feels weird especially like if i was a scientist doing it i would never want to be in that position like like all the scientists who are like killing all these fucking mice every every day every you know two hours every whatever good on you i guess i don't know like i wouldn't be able to do it like i feel a little less weird when it comes to like bacteria germs or like microorganisms because it's like there's no way you could ever develop any relationship to a microorganism um i don't care what fetish people have out there i just feel like there's no way you can develop a true relationship but like something as small as a mice i feel like there are people who have developed relationships to that and then it just feels weird it's like testing on my dog i would feel so weird about that not just weird i just feel like that's wrong right you can't do that there's some emotional emotional connection to it right so it's like yeah i'm not i'm not too certain on that that's that's so there's a morality to it but there's also ethics to it too because now you have to think about it this way if there's some potential life saving drug out there and there's no animal testing so therefore we can't probably do this on humans then you are maybe killing people by not pursuing that advancement of science and technology right so now that's a that's a kind of you know you're not too sure right and then people can say well you know if we know it's life-saving then yeah we'll go for it but it's tough to say because you don't know what's life-saving until you know what's possibly life-killing right so like five drugs you test maybe only one of them are actually useful and the other four will just kill you right but without testing all five because after you test one and it failed like it, you could fail four times before you get the right one or you could successfully get the right one and think the next four was potentially even better or your first success might be on the third one right so then you have to kill two before you get a success but then you might think oh the last two might be better because we have more knowledge now right so like it's so hard to judge and say whose science, whose study is right, whose study is wrong, what tests are right, what tests are wrong. Because I believe you just have to go through all five, and unfortunately, you have to kill five subsets of animals in order to to get there, right? Because even if the the trial is successful, they still kill the animals and they dissect them to make sure like there's nothing that they don't know about, right? Like it could be quote unquote successful, but there's some like long-term cancer that's forming and we don't want that happening in humans so we gotta test the shit out of that in mice before we go to hu human testing right so i mean i personally don't think there's a right like i think the answer is no i think justifiably it's no but it's really difficult maybe there's a yes and an alternative but i don't know what the alternative is like you'd have to create some type of brainless nearly brainless brainless organism that doesn't feel any pain doesn't feel anything and then do testing on that but then at that point you're also questioning like well if it's if it's the brain structure is not anywhere near ours or any normal animals then what if there's things that won't happen to that brainless creature but will happen to all other life forms right or all, all other like humans or animals and stuff so then it kind of gets controversial like that too right um there's no easy answer a simulation would be nice but you only can simulate things that you know about so if you don't even know the side effects of these drugs you can maybe predict the side effects of the drugs but when you start mixing it with other shit there's just too many unknowns now so then you can't do a proper simulation either maybe in the future 
if they've mapped out every single compound into every single, you know, output, like you have every single input and output, then maybe you can potentially start creating simulations. That's the only way I can think of it, right? Like you have some type of proper human or animal study and you've tested every single compound on them to see every single possible, you know, output. And your sample size has to be large enough and you need enough mix, right? So, like, maybe if you take drug A without drug B, you'll be fine. But as soon as you introduce drug B, you're dead, right? So that means that you have to do every single permutation and combination. And everyone's different too, right? So, like, you need every subset of every species. So, like, like, like for example, Europeans aren't known to be lactose intolerant, but Asians are, right? So then you need, like, a group of people from Asia, a group of people from Europe. It just gets so messy and the this, this testing would like consist of millions of people with millions of possibilities and combinations before you can create a proper simulation. But once you create that proper simulation, then from that day on, if it's good enough and the science is good enough, then maybe you can start simulating different compounds of drugs. You know, kind of like in Black Panther where like, you know, they like combine some shit or like when Tony Stark combines some shit and they're like, oh yeah, this one thing is going to be the best and stuff. Very science fiction-y, maybe. I kind of doubt it. I think at the end of the day, you still need, like, an, like you still need animal testing, right? And maybe one day there's going to be aliens we can test on, but even though you're, you're still, they're, they're still sentient, right? So you'll still think of them as, as like, animals, essentially, right? So I think for me, for all the reasons I've said, should animal testing be eliminated? I don't think so. I think we need it. It's sad. It sucks to say it, but I think it's hundred percent required, hundred percent needed. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think the people who don't say they need it are like very woke, and uh, they don't understand the going ons of society. It, it like goes back to one of the arguments that they've always made, like you know, eliminate fossil fuels and shit. It's just like I don't think it's possible, personally. Um, with the current science we have, I don't think it's physically possible to eliminate it. Reduce it, yeah, okay, fair. That's maybe something we could do. Um, but I wish every person who ever said eliminate or even significantly reduce fossil fuels, that they try to see what's in their life and try to truly eliminate it because I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's possible one to eliminate or even significantly reduce it. Um, and it's like really, really simple shit. It's just like, you're drinking water. All right, if you have a filter system at home, that's probably made from plastic. Plastic's made from fossil fuels. So, well, you're fucked there. All right, you want to use a metal drinking? You want to use metal filters with metal, like, canisters and containers for your water drinking system? Mm, very metal, very few metals will pass for that. And for the metals to pass for that, you need special alloys. Okay, well, how do we get special alloys? Well, use fossil fuels to dig up that special alloys. Use fossil fuels to turn that special alloy into something you can actually use and then use fossil fuels to deliver that special alloy to your house or to the supermarket or to wherever you have to buy from. You might be able to eliminate one or two steps of fossil fuel from that, but not all of them, 100% not all of them. At least not with our current with our current science and technology, there's no way, right? So I just feel like when, when the very woke people say like eliminate fossil fuel or eliminate animal testing, they don't truly understand what they're saying um it's very short-sighted i feel like when they say that stuff and there's no like proper logic when they think about it right it's very uh i think it's like truly i think it's a very bigoted way of thinking i think woke culture is 
bigotry. Um, because they don't think about the long-term effects. They don't think about the whole supply chain. They don't think about everything, right? There's just so much to the world that they don't think about. They think about it as something as simple as like, let me all fossil fuels. It's like, okay, well, like your clothing, how did it get delivered, right? Oh, you don't want to pay that much for it to get delivered to your house? Okay. How how did it get from point A to point B? Oh, from, from an electric delivery vehicle? Okay, how did that electric delivery vehicle get its electricity? Oh, hopefully from a hydro, uh, hopefully from a dam or a nuclear power plant. Okay, how did those things get built? If you go to the root of it, you still need the fossil fuel. There's no way to get rid of it um, with our current technology. Like maybe there's some advanced technology out there that can, but there's just no way. Um, and and I think that's same with animal testing. Like I think for all the arguments I kind of talked about, there's no way to completely remove it. There, you're, it's always gonna be in some aspects of our lives, right? In fact. I would say some things are not even tested enough, right? Um, and in order to test it more, you need even more animal testing, right? So it's kind of tough. It's it's one of those things um, that I think in a perfect utopian society, you can say we've eliminated it, but I don't think it happens. I think it's it's less than rare, if that makes sense. It just does not fucking happen, right? Um. And I think that's also why a lot of people nowadays are so fed up with woke society is that they just realized that what they say makes you feel good, but it doesn't make any sense. Like, oh yeah, it'd be nice to not, you know, like when you see, when you see coal being burnt and all the, you know, pollution going straight in the atmosphere, it feels bad because it feels like, okay, we shouldn't be, you know, like shitting where we eat kind of thing. But at the same time, it's like, you didn't like think about what the alternative is. And if the alternative is don't use any fossil fuel, we're going to go into hunter gatherer again. We're going to be completely barbaric. You won't have a society anymore right now with the current technology. Right. Or if you don't have animal testing, a lot of people are going to die. Um, and there's not going to be any advancement in saving those people. And, and unfortunately it's true too that, that, with animal testing, like, I don't think they're animal testing all the food products, in my opinion. They might be testing all the components that goes into our food products, but they're not testing the permutations and combinations of the components going into our food products. So that means all these big companies are making foods that are potentially killing us too. And we can't know for a fact if they're killing us or not without animal testing. But if for some reason, for some reason, if like, everyone eats this one food, one canned food, and it's killing us. And for some reason, we can't figure out it's that one canned food. Then without animal testing, we can't figure out what the solution to that is, which is like, you know, some type of drug or supplement or something like that, right? Um, so I don't, I don't think there's a way to, I don't think there's a way around that. Um, I think you're going to end up killing more lives than you save. And when I mean life, as in like, I think you might kill more sentient things than you save. I'm not sure, actually, because there are like millions of mice that die every year. Um, but potentially there may be millions more people dying if there's no, you know, life-saving drug or something that can't combat certain diseases and stuff. So I'm very conflicted on that, but I think that's right. Um, you guys let actually let us know what you guys think after you hear mine and you hear Viv's because we'll, we will both have our opinions. I think for Viv, 
Okay, at the very end, if I were to guess, um, one thing, one time, it was completely wrong. I'm not sh- too sure. I think she proposed that question because she already had kind of a story um, thought of. So I think she's going to have a really good story. So you guys should really check that out. Um, for the universal basic income, I think she may have... I think she might be a pro- proponent to it. Um, but actually, I'm not sure because I know she's a... She, like, she, like, she works out a lot. And she works really hard. So I know she's a proponent of like the drive and working hard. So she might have some type of alternative too. And I think for animal testing, I think she's going to agree with my thought process on it. Um, and the thought process is just like, no, you cannot eliminate it. There's no way. Um, it's just not not possible. No matter how feel good it, you know, no, no matter how good it makes you feel to say you can eliminate, there's no possible way. Um, but yeah, let us know or let, yeah, after you listen to mine and Viv's, let us know what you guys think about it. I'm very curious to see because I don't mind getting proved wrong, uh, when it's logical. So if like, if you guys completely disagree with me and all my arguments here, fuck, fuck yeah. Just tell me, come on a podcast or just talk to me about it. I feel like we don't have enough conversations in the world and that's what, that's all I want to promote is more, more discussions, um, with very meaningful things. Because I think a lot of the thought process or the way I think a lot just comes from talking to people. Because like every time I'm wrong, I learn something new from it. And then I take that and I use it to strengthen my arguments for the future. So I think it's always nice to talk, have conversations, learn. So yeah. And hope you got, hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Hopefully it's been warm in Canada while I've been gone to the Philippines. And um, hopefully when I'm back, I can talk a little bit about the trip. All the Filipinos out there. Uh, hopefully I can talk about things you guys can relate to, right? Like eating balut or some weird ass shit in Philippines. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not against balut, by the way. I've, I've eaten it before in Vietnam, so I don't really care. Food is food kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, hopefully you guys have enjoyed this and wait till next week. Listen to Viv's so you can get a contrast of different podcasts, a different style and different opinions on the same topics. So thank you guys and see you later. Bye.